Let's pray as we come to look at God's word together. Uh, Father, we pray that as we look at your word, you would speak it into our hearts. And we pray, Father, that you give us open ears and soft hearts. Uh, we pray indeed that you might transform us by your living, active word for the glory of Jesus. Amen. Well, yesterday, uh, Dan finished uh, by reminding you of some gravestones. Uh, I want to tell you about, I was going to say my favourite gravestone. It's not really my favourite gravestone, but uh, uh, the most remarkable gravestone I've ever seen. It's in Waverley Cemetery. I'm not going to tell you the name of the person. Let's call him John Smith. Uh, but this is the entirety of what's written on that gravestone. John Smith, he was an accountant. <laughs> is that not the saddest thing you've ever heard? In... Now, with due respect to anybody who has a past life in accountancy, my goodness, if at the end that's it, my goodness. Have you ever thought about what people will say about you when you're gone? Or what people now say about you when you're not around? What would you like people to say? Surely there'd be more to say than that. Brothers, I want to encourage you today to live an extraordinary life and I want to encourage you to do that uh, through two things. Uh, that I think we find in this passage that will make all the difference in the world. Two things. The first is preach the word. And the second is to live and die like a champion. Let's look at those two together. Uh, keep open, please, 2 Timothy chapter 4. And if you just have a look at verse 2 there, uh, you'll see the first thing there. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and with careful instruction. You see the command of Paul to Timothy uh, to announce this message. Like a seller in the marketplace, the preacher is the one who, who makes the message clear above the din of the world. Over the top of all the other noise, preach. Preach what message? The word. Preach the word, he says, the inspired word that he's just written about in chapter 3, uh, our Old Testament uh, to begin with, but by extension, all of Scripture, all that God has done and promised in the Lord Jesus. Timothy is to preach, to announce this word, this message, so that people will hear it above everything else. And he's to preach it, you see, in season and out of season. He's to preach it when he feels like it, when he doesn't feel like it, when it's easy, when it's not. He's to preach this word in season, out of season. And as a preacher of the word, he is to do what the word is good for. Do you see what the word is useful for in 3.16? The word, the scriptures are useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. And Timothy, as a preacher of this word, is to be correcting, is to be challenging wrong ways of thinking and rebuking, challenging wrong ways of living. And as a preacher, he's to do it gently 
and is to make it his business to encourage people with God's word, to call them together, to spur them on. Isn't that extraordinary? And this, of course, was Paul's great plan for the, uh, the multiplication of the church at a time when the church was utterly fragile. Chapter 2, verse 2, the whole plan is to entrust this message to faithful men who proclaim it to others. It's the great kind of baton relay race of the gospel. Uh, and here we have the first baton change as Paul passes this responsi responsibility on to Timothy. And the next runners that Timothy is to find and entrust the message to will get the baton next. And here we are, 2,000 years and 15,000 kilometres away, and it's come to us. And is that not extraordinary? That here comes this one responsibility to preach the word, to do something utterly extraordinary with the life that God has given you. It doesn't sound that extraordinary, does it, to preach the word? But it is. It is the extraordinary thing that makes the difference. Preach the word. Tell people this good news about Jesus. Encourage believers to stay strong. And I've got to say to you that in my Christian life, one of the great encouragements of the last six years has been every year to watch you come in, to watch another group of people say, I'm going to give up other things to do this. I recognise the importance of doing this. I want to be equipped to do this. Uh, and it is really one of the, uh, one of the great side benefits of, uh, of being a lecturer at college is to watch the people that God is raising up and to be here year after year as he does that. But you could be lulled into a false sense of security that you've made that choice and now it just kind of happens automatically. Uh, and I want to say 25 years later, there's nothing automatic about it. You can give up your other career, you can be theologically educated, you can get a job in a church and work full time and still you will need to be reminded that although life is busy, although the pressures are coming from everywhere else, your job is to preach the word. It doesn't happen automatically. And it doesn't get any easier as the years roll on, as the distractions grow, as the pressure builds to do and say other things. And I want to encourage you again this morning to recommit yourself to this one thing, to preach the word. Paul gives Timothy two very important reasons why he should be preaching the word. They're important for us today. Uh, so let me just say something briefly about the two reasons. Uh, the first you see in verses 3 and 4, the first reason is 
Because although the world needs to hear, they don't want to hear. The world does not want to hear the gospel. So you must preach the word. For the time will come, Paul writes, when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say whatever their itching ears want to hear. They'll turn aside with uh, their ears away from truth and turn aside to myths. The time will come. The time has come. We live in that time. I've just come home from visiting uh, Namibia and Zimbabwe. Uh, in fact, I preached this sermon uh, 10 days ago uh, to a group of 150 lay preachers uh, in a tin shed in Zimbabwe and the message to them, you'll never guess, was preach the word. <laughs> uh, the challenge for them is that they've got 24-hour, seven-day television channels that are Christian says so right in the box but what's the message that's going out well christian television uh, station programmers will only allow a message to go out if it rates it must be popular and so you get a sense for why the prosperity gospel is such an enormous problem uh, in countries of uh, of tremendous poverty where only popular messages will go free to air. That's that context. What about for us? What about for us and what about for our churches? Doesn't it work the same in our churches now? If a preacher says something the congregation doesn't want to hear, they simply move and go somewhere where there's a message that they'd prefer to hear. Isn't that what happens in Australia now? And the pressure on preachers then to say things that people want to hear is growing. It's enormous. And more and more people, even in our churches, want to be able to choose which parts of Scripture they are prepared to listen to and which parts they will not listen to and will go looking for a different message about. So what are you going to do in that pressure, in that context? Well, preach the word, aren't you? I mean, what else are you going to do? What other agenda are you going to follow? What choice are you going to preach the word? In season? Out of season? Just because people don't want to hear doesn't mean they don't need to hear. And in fact, it means they absolutely do need to hear. Preach the word. Imagine a man who decided he didn't believe in the government and he didn't believe in policemen. So he drives down King Street, bowls straight through a red light, has a significant traffic accident. And the police turn up. And he says, I don't believe in the police. 
How do you imagine that's going to go? Not well. Well, imagine turning up before the God of the universe on the last day and you see Jesus, the judge of the living and the dead. And you say, I don't believe in God. How is that going to go? Or you say, I didn't like that bit of the message. Could you imagine? I've got so many good friends and family members who do not know or trust the Lord Jesus. And I cannot imagine a more terrible thing than them meeting the judge of the living and the dead on the last day. But could you imagine turning up on that last day as a preacher, as a pastor, and trying to explain why you chose only bits of the message to preach, why you thought better than him about some issues, why you chose to be silent instead of to preach the word. For a time has come when people will not put up with sound doctrine and they are wondering what you're going to do years ago, a good friend of mine who's a senior pastor in a church, a church meeting in a high school, uh, made news headlines after one of his old sermons on Leviticus was dug up uh, by a group of people who didn't want Christians meeting in public schools. And he was called into the principal's office and the principal was outraged at what he'd said uh, about homosexuality in the context of what was now the same-sex marriage debate, even though the sermon was preached years earlier. And he wanted my friend to agree, or sorry, she wanted my friend to agree that he would pass anything controversial or offensive that he was planning to say in a sermon past her for approval before he preached. What would you say? What would you say? Uh, my friend, who is one of my heroes, said to her, you've no idea how many controversial and offensive things I say each week. <laughs> you think this is just about sex and gender. But I want to tell you, if you come to our church, I'm going to say that you can only go to heaven through faith in the Lord Jesus and that anyone who does not trust in him is destined for eternal judgment. And you need to understand how utterly offensive everything I do will be to you. Is that not true? Preach the word. What would you have said to her, I wonder? Would that have been the moment to quietly backpedal? See, it's not, of course, just aggressive atheists that are trying to silence preachers. 
the pressure comes from other believers, from other preachers, to stop saying certain things, to stop holding to certain truths, to adjust the message. And it's even more insidious than that because it doesn't just come from the atheist, it doesn't just come from other preachers, from other Christians. We put that pressure on ourselves and we self-censor in order to protect ourselves out of fear from what others will say. And in the midst of all of that pressure, I want to say something very simple to you this morning. Preach the word. Preach the word. The time has come when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but because they don't want to hear, does not mean they do not need to hear. So preach the word. That's the first thing. The second reason why we must preach the word is because the end of life is nearer than we think. So Paul, as he was writing this, recognised his life is coming to the end. He was killed, who knows, maybe just a matter of weeks after he wrote this letter. He sees himself in verse 6, poured out like wine on a sacrifice, like a boat that's been untied and he's just about to leave the dock, so is his life. Now, I would like to think that I'm still a young man. But there's all kinds of confronting evidence that suggests otherwise. <laughs> uh, and in fact, you know, even if nothing uh, particularly spectacular happens, I'm, I'm far closer to the end than the beginning. But honestly, it only seems like yesterday I was in high school. And... And boy, as I think about the time between high school and now, I've wasted so much of it. I wasted so much of it worrying about things that never happened. I wasted so much of it pursuing things that were unimportant and letting important opportunities just pass by. Life is short. And I want to encourage you because most of you are closer to the beginning than the end and I'm happy for you. But, but life's still short. And I want to encourage you in the midst of whatever else you're doing, preach the word with the opportunities, with the breath, with the life, with the chances that you have. Whatever else you are busy with, be busy at that. You remember John Piper's uh, uh, famous example of the, uh, the guy who'd spent his retirement collecting seashells and, and Piper's musing it. I wonder what it would be like to stand before the God of the universe. And uh, when he said, what have you been doing with your life? So, oh, haven't you seen my seashell collection? Haven't you seen my beautiful home? Haven't you heard the wonderful things that people say about me? What, what are you going to say on the last day? 
preach the word. Patiently, carefully, gently, but faithfully preach the word. Encourage others to walk with God. Preach the word. And we we need one another's help with this, don't we? This is not something that you can get once off on a Sunday from somebody else. And if you're the preacher, from nobody else. It's actually the job of every believer, for every believer, and it's the job of you and I here every day. Please preach the word to me. Encourage me, correct me, rebuke me, challenge me, spur me on as I try to with you. Brothers, let's let's spend our lives to preach the word with one another. I said there are two things I want to encourage you uh, to do in this passage, and the first is preach the word. The second is to live and die like a champion. Live and die like a... Have a look at 2 Timothy 4.7 as Paul looks back on his life uh, and reflects that he has honestly stuck with Jesus. He says, I have fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. And now he looks ahead to the day when he will wear the champion's wreath, the the crown of righteousness. Don't you long to be welcomed as a champion on the last day? Notice here, it's not Paul's righteousness. He's not even saying that he won the fight or that he came first in the race. He's just saying, I finished He stayed the course. He struggled, but he stuck with Jesus. He stuck with the faith to the end. And I want to ask you, are you ready to live and die like this kind of champion? To be faithful to Jesus, to hang in there, to fight and not give up, to finish the race and not stop running, to keep the faith and not be distracted, not saying it's easy. I'm not saying you, you, you're going to be a success at it. But will you keep at it? Will you persevere? There's nothing more important that we could be doing with our lives. And so I just want to ask, will you keep trying at this? Will you keep pressing on at this? Will you work hard here and for the rest of your life to understand and preach this word. God is with us. Jesus will be back soon. Will you keep preaching the word? I know that people don't want to hear, but will you keep preaching the word? I want to tell you life is short. It'll be over soon. Will you just keep preaching the word for a little bit longer? Because the crown, the champion's wreath is just around the corner. He was an accountant. He was a pastor. Know what I want on my gravestone? You might write this down, Noah. Actually. <laughs>
I hope you have to write it down and it won't be soon enough that you just <laughs> remember it. What about this? He fought the good fight. He finished the race. He kept the faith. And now he lives in glory. Preach the word. Live and die like a champion. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your living, active word. We thank you that you speak even today. And Lord, we thank you for the extraordinary privilege that it is that you invite us to speak your word to others. And so, Father, we pray that we would be undistracted by other things, that we would live and die preaching your word. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.